Hey there, friends. It's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Thanks for checking out this little bit of a, a free bonus here on the main feed of How To Wrestling. We have over on our Patreon page, just after releasing our three-hour-length WrestleMania 36 episode. It was obviously, for many reasons, a unique WrestleMania. So why not check that out over on Patreon? And as well as that, now we will have our new pay-per-view classic series, where we go back and we review pay-per-views from wrestling's past that fit Joanna's brief this time around she wanted to watch something that had got silly gimmicks it had rick flair and bret hart and maybe macho man randy savage we put it to the fans to vote and we've come out with a three-hour review of halloween havoc 1995 all this of course will be available this month on patreon.com forward slash wrestling but in the meanwhile if you want a little taste of what it's all about this is our wrestlemania 35 review from last year which definitely seems like a lifetime ago there are over 60 bonus episodes where we review all pay-per-views from WWE, AEW, NXT, etc. As well as a few little side ventures. That, of course, is available at patreon.com slash wrestling. You can also get Q&A videos from Joanna, sponsor an episode. As always, any and all updates and information, howtowrestling.com or for inquiries, howtowrestling at gmail.com. But for now, settle down and enjoy this. Before the crazy storm that is WrestleMania 36, here is the relative calm of WrestleMania 35. You lovely five dollar backer, you. It's Kevin and Joe here. Hello. Hello. Happy post WrestleMania season to you, Joe. Huzzah! It's uh, it's come and gone. The biggest event of the year, WrestleMania thirty five. That is. And it was a long, barn-burning show indeed. And this time, Joe and I, we didn't host WrestleMania for the first time in what seems like forever. We uh, we went further afield. We were hosted by the very kind Billy and Alex at their lovely house. It was great fun. And you know what the best bit was? They have cats. Ah, yes. Now, we were, of course, with our WrestleMania Primer episode, trying to prepare everyone as much as possible with, with fiber and strategy and sleep schedules and all that. But really, at the end of the day, we, we, we have to have a little bit of an editorial note here, which is you could have forgotten all that stuff. You didn't need to eat any fiber. You didn't need to eat anything at all. Sleep is for the weak. Any of these things, completely superfluous. If you have a cat. Oh, I think, or a dog. Or a dog. A, a contingent on it being a very good boy indeed. Yeah, exactly. There's a good boy. <laughs> it's amazing what a difference it can make having a cat around to keep you awake during a long seven-hour WrestleMania. Yeah, because Adam was like saying... At at one point in the evening he's like this is weird it's like the first time ever I've watched a Wrestlemania where I've not at any point felt like I would be worried about falling asleep like there was no like or there was no like oh I'm flagging because the cats kind of kept everyone on their toes a little bit mm. like everyone selfishly wanted a bit of the petting action but also which lap is the cat gonna sit on I know I mean it's Russian roulette but every bullet is cuddly joy yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it was a an interesting show I think it was a show which had a a lot going into it. I mean, I think this is a, a card which we were very, very excited about. On paper, it seemed like it was going to be one of the grandest WrestleManias in, in recent memory. Joe, how was your kind of overall feeling about this one, having stayed up to watch it and had a day or two to digest it and all the bits to come after? It was a fun WrestleMania. I think some of the outcomes maybe weren't what I wanted or expected. Mm -hmm. 
I think some of the matches maybe weren't quite as great as I hoped they would be. But then other matches were extra fantastic to kind of make up for that. And there was a lot of really fun booking of the show. And there were a lot of outcomes that, you know, I think we all were really happy with. Yes. So on the whole, I feel it was a good WrestleMania. Yeah, I think it was very, very good. I was very, very happy with this WrestleMania, which... You know, the, the the trend with me in WrestleManias has been like, I'm excited about this WrestleMania, then it will be bad. Or, mm. this WrestleMania is going to suck, and then it will be great. It's you like know? Christmas. <laughs> I feel like after Christmas we should do a debrief. Like, you know, was this a good Christmas? How could we improve on this Christmas? Yeah. Was the pacing of this Christmas? Last year there was a seven-hour Christmas. Can you believe it? They booked <laughs> 12 presents. Can you believe that? Like, that actually sounds know? great. And the Andre the Giant Memorial Christmas dinner went down a particular treat. Like... <laughs> But yeah, I felt, and this may seem weird, and of course as well, this is taken from someone who, for the first time, was being hosted for WrestleMania, so I didn't have to you know, cook or worry about you know, where people were sleeping other than myself, all that great stuff. So I think there was a lot of stress was taken off of me. So I think I may be wrong in saying this, but it felt like for a seven and, what, a seven and a half hour show, I think it ended up being, it felt quite well paced. I feel the first half was way better than the second half. Yeah, I think the final act of WrestleMania yeah. perhaps was where things maybe... But the, the, if, the match order was changed a lot, apparently. If you were going to argue that WrestleMania is an act, how many acts would you argue that there are? Because <laughs> uh, I think there's like three. I think it's like a Shakespearean play. Like, it's like a, a Hamlet. Yeah, I think the traditional three-hour pay-per-view is a two-act play. You, you think know? it's two-act? The, the traditional three-hour. Oh, sorry, three-hour. But this WrestleMania... I, been... Yeah, I don't know. I think this is kind of like King Lear, and then at the yeah. end it's like, y'all loved King Lear so much, let's get ready for some fucking Macbeth! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I feel like it's a double whammy. It is two play length. Yeah, so in that case, I think this WrestleMania, I'd say the first two acts were great. Mm. The last act... Not so much. That's the only bit I was like slightly flagging on. Yeah. Well, let's get into it because even though we're going to skim past the pre-show, as is traditional, we still have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve matches to get our teeth into. So while we're uh, all fresh and peppy, let's get into it. Starting off with our opening contest. Well, I mean, starting off, we were introduced to our WrestleMania host. Alexa Bliss, who had no less than four outfit changes throughout the night. It seemed to be her sole purpose was to come in different outfits, but then not really have much to say. Yeah, and the outfits were like the you know I'm not gonna lie, you know when you start off with a sparkle cord set, mm. it kind of went a little bit downhill from there because then it's like oh and now it's a sparkly cocktail dress mm. and now a slightly different sparkly cocktail dress and then a third minutely different sparkly cocktail dress. Yeah, I love outfit changes as much as the next person, but yeah, if you're going to go for that many, maybe a bit more variation, I Alexa. know. I mean, Sparkles is a broad church, right? I mean, yeah. we can have a lot of different things going on there. A lot there. of things can come under that umbrella category. I'm surprised we didn't see any class of jumpsuit. Like, you yeah. know, I thought that would have been a WrestleMania-worthy thing. More importantly, she really didn't say much. No. Uh, she came out and she said, I'm the host of WrestleMania. Which means that I can make a WrestleMania moment happen whenever I want. And then she clicked her fingers and made a racist old hot dog appear. What sort of a WrestleMania moment is that like? A terrible one. That's like when someone says, like, oh, I can make history. And then it's like, oh, yeah, but lots of history is like, you know, wars and terrible mm. people and stuff Genocide. like that. You shouldn't be clicking your fingers. 
So I was hoping that Alexa with this, maybe like they did with you know when the New Day were hosting, or maybe when The Rock was hosting, we get some kind of interactions, maybe a little bit of comedy. Maybe she could set fire to her own name. I mean, that would have been great if she came out instead of a flamethrower, some sort of a sparkle thrower. You know, when The Rock does it, it's sad and boring. But when Alexa Bliss does it, I mean, that'd be cool. It would fit her character. Yeah. You know, and that's why I thought was strange is that Alexa Bliss's character is that of a very you know, self-centered individual. Mm. And she's been given this position of power, a WrestleMania host, which is far too much power, seeing as she can like book matches on the fly and all that. And all she seemed to want to do was smile and pose with a racist. It was so cringe, that whole posing to Hogan's Yee. music thing. And she looked like... You know, when you have like, you know, that that's that uncle that's not really an uncle who's come along to a family gathering and you have to like... Oh no, he's liked all your Facebook photos at five in the morning. Yeah, he keeps <laughs> saying these like tasteless off-colour jokes and laughing really loudly at them and expecting everyone else to laugh loudly too because he's like kind of a bit too drunk. But it's okay because he'll be gone in a cab by ten, so yeah. they'll just put up with it for now. And then he'll be gone. <laughs> Only he wasn't gone. No, he was just kind of... He hung over like a cloud, did, did Hulk Hogan. Really bad fart. Yeah, so, I mean, Hogan, for his WrestleMania weekend appearance, one thing that is worth bearing in mind is that Big E came out with a tweet saying, Hogan came up to me and he wanted to hear out my position and he apologised, which... That's great. I think that's nice that he did great that. For Big E. But yeah. yeah, I think that's it. It wasn't Big E he was insulting. He's not all black people. No. And I think, you know, if he's made peace with Big E, that's awesome. If he's made peace with the New Day, that is awesome. But I think, you know, tights and fights were saying, you know, I think they put it best where it's like, right, well, it's it's kind of, it's for everyone, this apology, yeah. though, isn't it? This, this shouldn't be the behind closed doors. No. You know, times two bit. <laughs> no, exactly. It's, um, yeah, I, don't, I, I still feel it's gross that he's even here. Well, I hate here. that we even have to talk about him. Mm. Well, he's there, and it would be strange to to, uh, to not mention him, but he was absolutely there. And uh, I was just, you know, with, with Alexa Bliss, I thought they were going to do something like where, because you know, she always gets interrupted with Moment of Bliss. I mm. thought they'd have, like, you know, Kevin Owens come out and say he wants to host WrestleMania, or, you know, other characters who maybe didn't have a lot to do. But, eh, it was just a bit, a bit throwaway, yeah. Starting things off, we had the Universal Championship match as Paul Heyman stomped out and said, no way are we waiting around seven and a half hours. If we don't go on last, I'm getting on a plane as soon as possible. I love that. This is when my predictions, I realised, were probably going to be incorrect. Yeah. As I said on the WrestleMania Primer, I was convinced that this match would just be 12 F5s followed by Brock winning. Now, everyone was was of that opinion no not you well no ex except me i was going to say everyone you know in the way that everyone made all the mistakes that were terrible in the past but there was the one smart person right. with his finger in the down going no hang on a second we should think about mm. this that was me you know and uh, everyone else other than me was uh, said oh yeah brock's gonna win again but 11th times the charm folks <sighs> Because Seth Rollins beat Brock Lesnar in a match that technically only lasted two and a half minutes because most of it took place outside. Brock didn't look like he was particularly thrilled or eager to be involved in his match. No, it is quite funny though, in hindsight, knowing that he lost and knowing that he insisted to go on first. <laughs> Do you think it was some kind of like rebellion act because he wasn't part of the main event? I don't know. I think like... It, it was a late, a late change, apparently. This was like not originally scheduled to start. The originally scheduled first match was going to be AJ and Randy, which came on after this. And I think it was a good call because given the nature of this match, that it was so short and it was just kind of like a bam, 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 and ah, the bad guy is gone. 
anywhere else in the card it would have been, I think it would have gotten a flat reaction from the crowd because mm. it just would have felt like, oh God, and there's this match as well. Because I'll take your point that most people weren't excited for this one. But I think they might have been if Brock had lost like, and Brock did lose. Yeah, but I think just there was a little bit of that capturing lightning in a bottle where it's like, whoa, it's going on first and ah, now he's won. It was just a little bit of an adrenaline shot to kind mm. of, you know, the espresso needed at the start of the very long day, the, the working day that was WrestleMania 35, like. And they said that they did it so that he could sell t-shirts during the interval <laughs> and then go home, which they did. And although Brock Lesnar was not successful in defending his belt, he absolutely brutalized the traffic I hear on the way home, like mm. absolutely victimized that traffic. Like, and everyone who's making their way home at the end of that seven and a half hour show, Brock Lesnar was laughing on his jet <laughs> to Las Vegas. So who's the real winner here? You happy to see Seth be universal champion? Uh, I guess, yeah. Yeah, you're not, you're not, not uh, filled with vim and vigor about old Seth Rollins these days. It's the universal championship I'm not filled with vigor for because... I'm just nervous that Brock's going to somehow get it back. <laughs> as soon as Saudi Arabia comes, Brock yeah. will get that buff like in The Sims where it's like, ba, 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 ba. <laughs> blood money plus three moodlet like. You know? <laughs> he just loves that stuff. Coming up next was a match which I erroneously claimed was going to steal the show, but a bright light in the audience had much different ideas as the phenomenal AJ Styles pays his rent to landlord Landy Orton as he was one-on-one here at WrestleMania. I thought these two had all the kind of tools at their disposal to, you know, put on like a, we'll show you, you know, we may not be in the, the main event or have a championship or we'll have a barn burner of a match. And it just didn't happen, did it? I mean, it was fine. The match was all right. It was um, grand. But that light did interfere significantly because fans were just chanting, turn off the light pretty much the whole time. That's the worst when you're like watching something. It's like, right, the fans are distracted and it's a large arena. So they could be distracted from anything from a beach ball to a fight to a sign to... to Enzo being in the crowd, <laughs> spotted. Yeah, you really don't know these days. And like, so I was... Uh, Spending most of this match, unfortunately, Googling what's going on, like, and then, like, oh, it's a production issue with the lights, and then let's Google the lights. That happened at NXT TakeOver as well. Oh, did it? Yeah, there was a, there was a big, massive cheer around me in one of the, match- mm. in one of the matches. Mm. It was because a light got turned off. Now, they've been doing this a while, WWE, right? Do you think they'd know how to set up an arena? I mean, yeah, and not only, they've been in MetLife, like, twice before. Yeah. That exact stadium. <laughs> so how, how does this keep happening? I don't know. I mean, considering a one-year WrestleMania, they accidentally set fire to a portion of the audience. Oh, my God. It's probably, Leo, a little bit better. Or the year where they had the four palm trees in the corners of the ring and no, the people in the four quarters couldn't see anything like. Wow. So, yeah, they turned off the light. But Randy Orton, with his Instagram post and protracted, I can't see because of the lights, Climbing on SmackDown was not a happy camper in this one. I love my favorite Randy is when Randy's pissed off at something silly like this. Oh, he was fucking huffing, puffing, and pouting in this one. Fantastic. I mean, I, I, I admit it is entertaining to see Randy Orton visibly upset by a light of all things. Because that's the funniest thing. Like, obviously, it is very frustrating. I'm sure to have your match overshadowed by something silly like, like a light or a timer or anything mm. like that. But it's Randy Orton and AJ Styles, and they're both bad men, so sorry, it's funny to me instead that they're getting so worked up over it. It does really encapsulate Randy Orton quite 
perfectly. Like this moment of Randy now, where he's had lots of history of a long history of, of lack of professionalism in his in his youth. Let's just say he yeah. grew he grew up in this company. You yeah, know, whip it out, awesome. <laughs> but uh, nothing kind of epitomizes the modern day. I'm a professional, but I'm still fucking ornery Randy Orton. Than this, it's like what happened here. Well. There was a light, and it didn't distract Randy per se, but it distracted the fans, which by proxy distracted Randy, who then spent most of his comeback turning to the crowd going, look at my match! So, I was disappointed. Uh, I'm disappointed on behalf of, of Randy and AJ, because you know these are the veterans now. These are both guys who are coming up on 40. I feel worse for the crowd who couldn't see because of the bright light in their yeah. face. I mean, if the crowd could see, this would have been a different story. Imagine paying however much it is for WrestleMania tickets now. And you can barely see anyway from half of those seats. Yeah, you're I mean, really far away. Cold, cold. It might be rained on at some point because they weren't allowed to bring umbrellas. Smell TBA. Yeah, you've got to <laughs> sit there for seven hours without any proper food because you just have to buy expensive hot dogs at the concession stand. Yeah, what's that all about? I won't be able to sneak in and I'll roast chicken in no. some Tupperware, could I? No, this ain't Blade Runner. Could be a weapon disguised <laughs> as a chicken. <laughs> So, yeah, I feel bad for them because that sucks. Yeah, I think we were all uh, denied the match that could have been. But we'll probably have the inevitable rematch. Coming up next, fatal four-way match for the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. This was one which had throwaway, get all the guys on the card written all over it. And I think this may have been one of my favourite matches of the night. As we had the Usos taking on Alistair Black and Ricochet, Rusev and Nakamura and The Bar. What did you think of this one, Joe? Oh, I loved this match. This is one of my favourite matches of the night, I think. It was, yeah, it was really, really, really good. There were lots of flips and dives and, you know, I think when there's a lot of people in a match, you can just kind of go, oh, it's just kind of a throwaway thing. But then if you sit down and you look at every person that matches a total five-star Bobby Dazzler, banger of a performer. So they, this was only 10 minutes, but it felt like a really, God, yeah. it felt like 20 minutes at least. My God, Alistair and Ricochet, I know they're thrown together, but they're really getting themselves over just they're impressive you know yeah. it's great seeing them up against people like the bar oh so good cesaro when he was swinging ricochet that oh. whole goddamn time and there was just like a million other moves happening and he kept going and going and going it was special stuff i yeah. really enjoyed it alistair and ricochet as well if you didn't see they had a tag match on nxt takeover on the friday against the war raiders and that may have been my favorite match of the weekend i think that is a one certainly should check out Mm. i found uh it was very interesting with our viewing party because we were the only ones who watched nxt and everyone else was like super down or completely ambivalent to ricochet and alistair black as a team like do you like seeing them teamed up still or i mean well, I, did, I never really did like seeing them teamed up TBH. Mm. I still think it feels very random. I mean, yeah, Ricochet, the smiley guy, and then the dude from Amsterdam who's like total goth-like. And sometimes I like the mismatch of, of pairings like that, which seem a bit random, but in this case it doesn't work for me, personally. Um, that being said, it is quite cute seeing them do their joint sit-down oh, Alistair that's Black the thing. Oh, best! It was a great tweet I saw. I forget who it was, but it was... Uh, when teacher says to get into pairs as you and your best friend are sitting there together like <laughs> yes absolutely yes so the Usos picked up the win here with their brand new shiny contracts but all of course cannot stay still in wrestling as the Usos quickly drop those belts on Smackdown to the Hardy Boys who were originally I believe meant to face the Usos but I think you know what given that this got everyone on this on this card here and the Hardy Boys they've not lacking in Wrestlemania moments I think this was a better call all around yeah no I agree definitely coming up next 
I may say possibly my match of the night. And yeah, I think I'm getting your point now here about the kind of the first part of this show really being a heavy hitter because it's banger upon banger here mm-hmm. now. Shane McMahon and The Miz in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Shane McMahon coming out in the symbiote Shane McMahon gear, dark-sided, all black. What do you think of his new gimmick with the ring announcer? The best in the world. Now, if you've got a tie, I'm going to be yanking on that now. Like It's great. So he's basically making the poor announcer say that he's the best in the world over and over and over again. He's going to be tears in his eyes. The best in the world please, again. Please stop. <laughs> and then on SmackDown, he came out and said, Shane, I've, I've been threatened. Fans say that something sinister is going to happen to me if I continue to call you the best in the world. Say it! And Shane's like, well, it's not the fans you have to be worried about. It's me. Ah. Say it again. Heal Shane. I'm loving it. <laughs> so good. The only thing we were missing was I was hoping that as Shane, Shane was coming out all heel this year, I was hoping his heel children would come out with him as well, all in their little black uh, outfits and whatnot, you know? I don't think kids can be used as a heel gimmick. No. Unless they're stolen children from someone else. <laughs> Yeah, Raven found a way with the Sandman, but otherwise, yeah, with with your paternal children, it's difficult to yeah. turn them heel in wrestling. This was False Count Anywhere. They went all over the place, and George Mizanin, who's now officially known as Mr. Miz, he got involved in this one as well, went into the ring to face off with Shane McMahon, putting up his dukes. Fists up, he gave him a black eye. It was so fucking funny. It's- the best I think that's that's my favourite Wrestlemania moment ever but George was added hands shaking and Shane comes in he's like just hang on a second I'm just going to pull him up here because then you, you'll have your guard up and he's like thank you Shane bop <laughs> they went all over the arena they managed to find the one or two non-padded bits of concrete that Shane splat on there was a point where they did a spill onto like a it was a buggy cart thing with yeah. a roof and Shane bopped off that and splatted onto the concrete. Looked disgusting. Poor Shane. The, of course, big finish of this one was the massive superplex off the purposely built structure as Shane and Miz cemented their matches being awesome by falling off something very, very big indeed. I was very excited about that. So we're right. We got Shane being thrown off something tall, not jumping off something tall. Exactly. If you're a heel, you get thrown or chased off of. <laughs> yes. It's when you're a good guy that you pray and then you do a big jump, you know? Good <laughs> Christian boy Shane McMahon always prays before his jumps. It's how you know he's a heel. He didn't do no, uh, he didn't bless himself before he <laughs> fell. But yeah, this one was like something that I was really excited about. And again, we had some folks in a viewing party who were not necessarily up to speed on everything and found that Miz as a face was a little bit strange. Yeah, some people don't like Miz as a face, I guess. I don't know, watch that video package and I think it explains it all. Yeah, you know? I, I, I'm so over with uh, the Miz being a face. I love it. And I love Shane being a heel. He's great. I think we'll probably get another match or two out of these lads. I'd say oh, I hope. Right. I hope at least. This is the only instance where I'm like, yeah, okay, rematch. Yeah, fine. All right. Because, you know, Miz, he's not the most... I mean, he's he's improved leaps and bounds even since you've been watching. But, you know, his his best work in the ring usually is when there's a bit of drama involved or a bit of a story or whatnot. And I think the matches with Shane already are going to be like that because they have to be some sort of a gimmick or something special. So these two are ideal dance partners, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up next, Fatal 4-Way. Again, tag team match for the Women's Tag Team Championships. As Billy Kay and Peyton Royce, the Iconics, took on the Boston Hug Connection, Nia Jackson, Tamina, 
and Beth Phoenix and Natalia. This was a match which I was just convinced was going to be Sasha and Bailey all the way. They only just won the dang things. And it was surprising, and I'm not going to lie, very, very happy that the Iconics picked up a massive win here. They're the tag champs. Yeah, I originally put the Iconics down to win for my prediction, and then I changed my mind. I was like, nah, the Iconics, my favourite, would never be given such a cool opportunity. Never dream. Never dream. I think there's something to be said when they're doing WrestleMania weekend and they know there's a lot of people coming from all over the world. I think they like to have the big international win here and there because the Iconics, who are in America, so hated. Yeah. But I think the inter- not just Australia, I think the rest of the world is a little bit more fond of the Iconics than they are in America. So they actually got quite a big pop when they won, which is yes. really funny. Like. I love it. And then on SmackDown, they uh, defended the belt against the most jobberish jobbers you could possibly find. Yeah, seriously. One of their opponents didn't even have any eyebrows. Like It was, uh, <laughs> it was just such a funny stark contrast because Bailey and Sasha, like, they go right up to NXT and like, we're going to defend this belt against anyone. And the Iconics are like, Who's the worst tag team in Brooklyn? Can we fight them, please? And already I'm loving this as a storyline. That's great. So I think, yeah, the Iconics, they need something like a tag championship, I think, because it legitimizes them a bit. I hope they hold on to it for a while. Yeah, because the chase of someone wanting to beat these two assholes is such an endearing thing. I I think that could finally get me invested in Bailey and Sasha if they're like, you know, they get bullied or picked on by the Iconics and they have to kind of come together and win because I think that Bailey and Sasha are just kind of like remember our gimmicks you liked us remember we're great we're not doing those anymore yeah it's just kind of a weird toned down version of both of our gimmicks Mm. together so I hope that might be lights a bit of a fire underneath anyone Uh, Paige said on Smackdown she's going to be bringing up a team with her to uh, take on the Iconics there's rumours it's going to be someone from NXT now there's not many tag teams in NXT for for women we've got what Io and Kyrie. yeah there's, uh, I mean, uh, Duke and Shafir, yeah. uh, or I mean, Shayna and one of, one of them. I, I can't imagine them bringing up two of the MMA ladies and not the third. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work because my gut was like, yeah, I think it's going to be Duke and Shafir. Mm. I don't know, they, they're so not ready for it. But I don't want them to bring up Io and Kyrie because they're too good and I don't trust the main writers of the show to book two Japanese women well. Is this because of Asuka? Yeah. Do you think it with Asuka their booking is the issue is that she is a Japanese superstar and they have historically struggled. I mean you can look at Nakamura they've historically struggled to put them over earnestly or is it that like Vince McMahon allegedly said, oh, this undefeated streak, it makes it unworkable. Like I think it's both and also the case of being distracted by shiny new toys, mm. which always happens on the main show. I'm not going to lie. Um, I love Asuka, love her to pieces. But in terms of like a, a group of a two wrestlers who can literally just kind of, with their in-ring stuff, be doing something that's very different to anyone else on the roster... Kyrie and Yo will captivate audiences, I think, just from their high-flying stuff. They're, they're very different, you know? Yeah, I guess, if they're booked well. But, like, they you might not be. <laughs> you never know. It could be, um... What are they called? Yeah, it'll no. be them then, won't no, it? <laughs> no, the, the lady who's got yeah, the song. Yeah, I know song. what you mean, but I also... Where's that? Aleya, that's it. Aleya and... Vanessa Bourne, that's it. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to. You don't think it's going to be Alea and Vanessa Bourne, you know? 
Now it's Willie Regal grimacing in the distance, like, <laughs> what the fuck are they? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's going to be more women's tag teams brought up. If the Iconics, I like the idea of them, like, refusing to go to NXT or going to NXT and then taking on another jobber tag yeah, team. Yeah, like, great. We've come to NXT to source the baddest there is. Vanessa Bourne, Alea, <laughs> you get out here right now. <laughs> I guess, okay, so if the Iconics are going to be champions yeah. for a while... And Paige is bringing up someone to take on the Iconics mm-hmm. from NXT. In that case, I would be okay with it being Io Shirai and Kairi Sane. Because it could just be a once-off, like, here's a team for you to face. Or like, even if it's like then they're going to be a proper feud, because I feel that the Iconics are big enough heels. Mm. You Because if you're going to have some impressive faces like Io and Kairi, you have to have equal f- heels, I think, for them to go up against. Which is why I love yeah. what they've been doing on NXT, because... Shafir and Duke with Shayna Baszler has been great. Yeah, and I think that's a really great way to get two shiny new wrestlers kind of over it. Not just because they're impressive in the ring, but because you you like them as baby faces. Yeah. Because anyone is going to look like a fucking bright and shiny baby face against the massively irritating Billy and Peyton. And I think especially like because they're not they're not majestic by any means no. like they are annoying and cowardly and kind of a bit crap and i just love that against people like io and Kyrie, who are just such heroes i love how they won the match as well because like beth phoenix she i like the whole match i was like do the glam slam beth do the glam slam her finisher the glam slam which is awesome she did to bailey off the top rope and then billy was like Bleh! and stole the win I was like, <laughs> you stole a victory from the returning hall of famer you ass you absolute ass <laughs> Coming up next, a match which made people very, very hopeful and some of us a little bit worried, but definitely one of the most heart-wrenching, goose-pump-inducing, hair on the back of your arms sprouting up. It was Kofi Kingston taking on Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. I loved everything about this. When we were filling out our prediction sheets ahead of this show... We were looking at our sheets with kind of a bit of worry because we were realising that if we had all the outcomes we wanted, you know, a, a Becky win, I think mm. most of us agreed we wanted. We wanted Kofi to win here. There was one guy who wanted Seth to win. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all wanted Seth to win, but we didn't maybe all think it was going to happen. But there was young one young Irish, young one Irish little weed amongst the English roses who daren't to dream of an Emerald Isle and that <laughs> Seth Rollins... Ireland's favourite song. Right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what your attitude is to Finn Balor later. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> but yeah, I think we were all kind of looking at this and thinking, oh, there's no way all of these guys we want to win are going to win. That's not how WrestleMania works. Yeah, you've got to have a bit of sweet with your sour like. Exactly. Yeah, you've got to take your salt with your medicine. <laughs> Disgusting. So I think a lot of us were really worried that, you know, that Kofi might not win. Yeah, it don't take anything for granted in WWE. And ever. honestly, that would have ruined my WrestleMania. And you know what? I, I honestly think that is true. It would have ruined yours. And not just yours, it would have ruined most people's yeah. WrestleMania. I'm okay with a couple of shit matches. I'm okay with outcomes that I didn't want. Yeah. You know, I can even put up with Brock Lesnar winning. You know, I find it boring, but I will put up with it. But Kofi, after that build, not winning yeah. was just too much for me to handle the thought of. My heart did go out. Like, I say most there because my heart did go out to one or two people. See, I was tweeting on the AE podcast, the ITR podcast, Twitter all night long and mm. a lot of the followers there, you know, we don't really talk about the modern product on that channel. We usually kind of stick to our 
or uh, or or so. Oh, I see where this is going. You see where it's going. Well, there was uh, literally there was a few people, and they're they're How not bad. How dare you? Daniel Bryan's the best. No, they weren't like that. They were just kind of like, huh? I'm a bit surprised. Kofi's <laughs> in the main event. I mean, sure, grand's like you know, but then the people are like, you motherfucker, Kofi Kingston has been sweating for eleven years. I'm like, yeah, but I've not watched in eleven years, you know. So I think there's a lot of people who maybe came into this and they were like a bit surprised that they had gotten this storyline but it's like hey it's credit to the people involved in the way the story has been told that they have harnessed this 11 years of being overlooked and ambivalence and good enough and the one thing i didn't like about this was that they showed that video package at the start where they were like kofi kingston making his debut kofi kingston intercontinental champion kofi kingston u.s champion the years are rolling by and it's like you're trying to make out that Kofi has been slowly building up momentum yeah. these 11 years. Whereas the story really was, was Kofi came in, was impressive, got momentum, and then was told, that's it for you. Yeah. And he had maintained that momentum, oftentimes against the odds. Yeah, I feel the promo packages for this particular feud weren't as good as they could have been. Yeah, they didn't tell the story that fans wanted. The thing that got me hyped up for this more than anything was reading a 2015 interview with Xavier Woods, where he says how his one goal in the WWE as a wrestler is to get Kofi over and make Kofi champion. He says he doesn't care what Stone Cold Steve Austin says about your one goal should be to get over yourself as a champion. He didn't want that. He wants it for Kofi because Kofi's the one who deserves it. And that was like, oh, yes. Yes, he does deserve it. I want Kofi to win. Oh, my God. Yes, these boys love each other. It's such a rare thing in wrestling where someone could be like, you know, uh, anyway, you're, you're taught in wrestling. That is, it's a, yeah, you got to be out for yourself. If you're not in the main event of WrestleMania, you don't want to be. What are you doing here? There's no room for being humble in wrestling. But to actually push against that and actually recognize... Your, not say your place in line almost, but like, you know, Kofi Kingston is the most decorated black superstar of all time. You yeah. know, no one has won the number of championships that he has won. And the fact that every time I'm told that, like, you know, I've been told that a number of times, it's like, yeah, you know, this isn't a fact that's in people's heads. The number of tag championships, US Intercontinental, it's it's an unblemished, rec- unparalleled record. And I just think it's so amazing for someone like Xavier, who's, you know, the young guy, he's the guy who obviously, you know, PhD, up, up, down, down, multimedia superstar. He can talk for fucking days. Not to say that Kofi can't, but he's very much like the the millennium man. He's WWE's kind of like golden boy in many yeah. respects. And to say, no, I understand that I could be an anointed one, but it's more important for this man who I've looked up to, my hero, my career and everything that he's went through. It's him. That should be the focus. I've never, it's never happened in wrestling before. It's simply well, never happened. I don't think it's ever happened quite that impressively, but like, I'm thinking back to episodes we've recorded for this podcast, and all of the, my favourite wrestlers we've covered have always been of that attitude, though. To be a bit gracious to put people yeah, over and like, stuff. Yeah, it's not yeah. about me first and foremost. It's about the product and about the storyline and about the people I surround myself with. If you think of like William Regal. Yeah, that's true. Like, he may not have been quite as ambitious for someone he wrestles with like as directly as, as Xavier was but he's still like he he made an effort always to it wasn't about him it's about everyone else it's nice to see that that is kind of that's forefront now that's not something yeah. which is kind of like oh behind the scenes da, da, da. they're out in the open they're saying this that this is what we wanted yeah you know and they did the promo on Smackdown where Big E said our goal was to change the culture and you know obviously it's early days yet but the build to this the way they 
unified everyone around this dream. And there was a, I don't know if you saw, there's this interview that Kofi did on um, Sirius Radio. And he was asked about it in his promo. He said, you know, you used the phrase, people like us. Uh, what did you mean by that? Mm. And he spoke for around 10 minutes so eloquently where he said, yes, I did mean, you know, black people because you don't get to see black champions and there's been a issue and there's, you know, there's been a lack of black champions or black role models in, in wrestling, you know, on this stage or at this level. But he then tied it in and said, but it's not just that. It's for people who are like, have been working for 11 years and been told, you know, this is where you are. He, he managed just to find a way to reach beyond. And I thought, I thought that was really kind of, that was really amazing that he did that because, you know, I remember when they took a, that picture a couple of years ago where it was like, you know, they did the picture, it was like Naomi and them, and they said, you know, black excellence, and that got backlash. And I was what? Like, yeah, it got backlash, because people are kind of, oh, you know, that's, you're being very exclusionary. And I thought, Jesus what? Christ, wrestling can be a very toxic place. And the fact that they've managed to, you know, no one has, no one has pointed at this and kind of, and, and, and made it out like it's kind of, they were trying to be in any way exclusionary or anything like that. I thought the Kofi story was so fucking endearing and heartwarming and so believable and so fucking emotional and the match itself kudos to both of him and, and brian because it was fucking magical it was everything it needed to be mm. it had the near falls it had just those moments where you thought you know in your worst fear was going to come true you know and they they man they they pulled it off i was fucking in bits and pieces watching this one i was very nervous when biggie came out with his box and said <laughs> this is for when you win oh were you worried about a heel turn as well only because everyone kept talking about it and so many people talked about it with glee as in, I... Like, I can't wait for Big E to turn why would anyone want I that I don't know I don't know it's just not the idea. story you know no, I'm, I mean I said it before like if that anything like that was going to happen I'd much rather someone accidentally fuck up and Kofi turn but no I do not I never want to see Big E or Xavier turn on Kofi absolutely no, no way no it'd just be so distasteful and you know when they say going to try and change the culture that's a part of it. Like, yeah. it's so often in wrestling, that was always going to be the way, where it's like the friends turn on each other. Yeah. And like, fucking hell, can you imagine that you're a fucking a, a young child, or you're particularly a young black child seeing a fucking uh, uh, a, a symbol like that of excellence on screen, and then the fucking they turn on each other. Yeah. Seriously, you think that's fucking the way to go? Like, no, you know? I loved that the message here was... We're, we're here for each other yeah, we're su- best friends support your friends yeah. love your friends yeah. you know and I love that Biggie and Xavier they weren't wrestling they were in the corner of their friends mm-hmm. and they were fucking they were act, you know see they're acting like but they were like they were so invested in that 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 was their role and they were there to help their friends yeah, they were there for Kofi their promo they cut in the pre-show was like a main event worthy promo on their friends behalf I thought so fucking cool I loved that they had people backstage or the other wrestlers yes. again watching the match invested that they're all on Kofi's side too I love that it tells the story of like you know there's all these other wrestlers no doubt who've been wrestling for a long time and maybe haven't been given the opportunities that they deserve and it's almost Kofi's fighting for all of them as well yeah I loved that the box was full of their new t-shirts. Because the new day have got to get their fucking shit over, and I love that. <laughs> did you hear about what the WWE did accidentally in the middle of this match? What? 
they started selling the t-shirts on their web store. Oh, so that kind of spoiled the outcome a little bit. That being said, though, <laughs> I do remember they did have a thing later on where Alexa Bliss was like, hey, we've got these new uh, limited edition t-shirts that Daniel Bryan had made in case he was going to win. And oh, really? It, it was saying, and still the Planet's Champion. It was an ugly t-shirt. It was like, Ooh. figured maybe they were like, oh, no, we made a mistake. Quickly, make up a t-shirt real quick. <laughs> like, you know? But uh, yeah, and I mean... I know this is Kofi's this is Kofi's story and it was Kofi's moment and I just think it's like just worth mentioning briefly Brian that he was such a great heel in this yeah because I mean that's I'm sure there were a lot of people watching this Wrestlemania who maybe haven't been watching this much wrestling the week to week and maybe they weren't familiar with the whole feud going in I'm sure there's a lot of massive Daniel Bryan fans who who just came maybe to see him yeah who would have had to been part with the fact that he'd been a massive heel and booed by everyone. And I love that. He's just such such great heel work that he, he managed yeah. that. He, in the space of a year, went from the comeback kid to the absolute, yeah. like, the, the, you know, he got booed resolutely in that arena. Not a single person was, was going, Daniel Bryan. No, he was the bad guy. And he was there not to be fucking cool or to get himself over. He was there to be... A fucking horrible piece of shit. Yeah. I loved the bit as well. It was a really nice, that really fucking gross thing that Brian does where he kicks the person in the face with their hands up. It's such a mean, horrible move. And when Kofi did it back to him, I was like, fuck yes. I was, I was like <laughs> punching the air. I felt it was so well done where every time that Brian was doing something that was like kind of distasteful or fucking mean or aggressive that Kofi was right there at him and wasn't being like a putz or anything he was fucking fighting for his life loved it Kofi is the champion it was a beautiful thing Xavier bawling his eyes out Kofi's kids Kofi's kids I was I was welling up in this one like you know his kids are going to be, well, at least the older one is going to be a star. What, the boy who knew how to work the corner? Oh like, my God, yeah. he was right <laughs> up the there. With the t-shirt, like, you Immediately know. Immediately held it perfectly for the hard cam. <laughs> that's hard to do. I'm pretty sure that's what I would fuck up in if I was ever going to be randomly appearing in a WrestleMania. That kid's working on his inheritance right there, you know. That's what he's doing. You'll buy a couple of these, like, you know, help me go to college. <laughs> it was fucking great. It was pitch perfect. It was right in kind of the towards the, the the start of the final third of the show and I felt if the curtain fell there it would have been a perfect WrestleMania for me. Yeah, but instead from here on it got, I don't want to say it got bad, it just got sluggish. It's hard to keep that momentum up. Yeah, and I think we, we had quite a few big wins there with Seth winning, with Kofi winning. Unexpectedly, the Iconics winning. Yeah, the Iconics <laughs> winning, which I know was supposed to be a heel win, but come on, let's face it, we all love them. So then I think from here on, we were like worried about what the outcome was going to be for like the main event and yeah. other matches like that. Well, we got around the Rey Mysterio injury in the United States Championship match against the defending Samoa Joe by having a 60-second match. And I was saying to you, there's going to be a match that's like, you know, just a few seconds. I think we thought it was going to be Kurt versus Baron. Yeah. Hoped. Hoped. It was not. Samoa Joe got a 619, then choked out Rey Mysterio in a minute. I'm fine with this being a short match. And you know what? I think WrestleMania should embrace more short matches, especially if they're going to try and fit so many on. Yeah. I think it helps with the pacing. I actually really like a little refreshing... It's like a palate cleanser. Yeah, you can't have, you know, if you're going to have a tasting menu, you can't have beef, then lamb, then mm. pork, you know? 
and then a big fucking dish of beans. You gotta have a little something in between there, yeah, right? Yeah, a little you know? sorbet. And I love this because yeah, Rey Mysterio was injured. I really didn't want to see him wrestle a full match. No, that would I would have been watching through gritted teeth yeah. in my fingers, especially so. against someone like Samoa Joe. <laughs> yeah, just scary enough as it is. So yeah, I, I was very happy for this one minute match. It was it was good. I'm happy. <laughs> The next match was one which really failed to engage the crowd and it left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Did we get booze for this? I think we got mics and the crowd turned down because it was a quiet match where Roman Reigns took on Drew McIntyre, Roman's first match back singles competitor since returning from his battle with leukemia taking on Drew McIntyre, who's been consistently put over as, like, the most dangerous man on Raw, you know, taking out all these superstars, X, Y, and Z. And, I don't know, is it the WWE's fault for not treating Roman as being a very special thing and him just kind of becoming another guy a couple of weeks after his big return? Or was it them holding back on Roman too much and not showing you enough of him that like this match literally was just kind of like Drew beat him up one week and then next week it's like we're gonna have a match. Yeah. It, it just it did feel a bit. It wasn't a feud. No, it just felt like you're the opponent for Roman who yeah. who will definitely win. And I don't know what you would do in this match to make the crowd engage with it, but it was towards the end of the night. Now mm. we're getting on, and this was the first match where you could feel that the crowd were a little bit because yeah. they just. They didn't engage with Roman. They didn't boo him, but they weren't cheering him. And Roman just looked a bit... Hmm. Down? Yeah. Like, mm. obviously like the twinkle in his eyes was gone or anything. But you know, when he came out to do that match with the shield at, at Fastlane, there was a, a bit of magic in the air, it felt. I bet he is so bummed out by Dean Ambrose leaving. Yeah, oh, him and Seth both. There was yeah. interviews over WrestleMania. They were literally like, hands and knees, please, for the love of God. Poor guys. Don't I go. feel so bad for him. Mm. You know what? I think I'm still... I don't like the fact that they put Roman against someone who looks so much like him. Yeah, it's so dumb. We were watching with people this WrestleMania who don't watch wrestling week to week, and they don't know who Roman necessarily... Well, okay, they didn't know who Roman is, but they don't necessarily know who both Roman and Drew McIntyre is. And that is confusing Mm. when you're seeing these two little men in little black pants with long, black, wet hair wrestling. Well, don't get me excited about Roman in little pants now. Oh, yeah, I wish he was in little pants, to be honest. And leave that fancy booking at the door now. Come on now, you're just going to get everyone excited. (laughs) The only thing I could have thought was to flip Kurt and Roman's opponents. Because imagine, you know, they'd start to tease the thing where Baron was like, so what, you beat cancer? Yeah, like, Roman so what? Like, Baron. Oh, I would have loved that. Because Baron has got nuclear heat right yeah. now. And I think that if Baron was in there, it would have made the fans go, you know what? Because I think they were a little bit apprehensive and you know what rightly so because you don't want to lean on it too much but they weren't really like as leading in hard kind of going Roman has just come back from beating cancer because it's yeah. been like two months now yeah I think someone like Baron as an opponent is you're totally right it would have been great you could have had Baron being like I'll go easy on you because yeah, you right. cancer and then have Roman <laughs> beat the absolute shit out of him yeah that would have been a real great feel good moment would have popped the crowd you know it would have, it would have really worked because like I I'm at the point a little bit now with Roman where I don't want this to be like an, you know an albatross hanging around his neck. Like he, he Roman is more than just his battle with cancer. Oh, of I, course you know? he is, but still, you can't just pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, and this is his first match back, and it's at WrestleMania. I don't know. I just feel it's like almost insulting not to at least I don't know acknowledge it. Yeah, and by all means acknowledge it, but it just felt that like 
there was something missing from this. This mm-hmm. was not like when Roman came back. I thought, oh, well, he's gonna have a great match at WrestleMania, and he'll have a you know a, the crowd behind him, and that will be like the first time ever that Roman's been there, coming out as Roman Reigns, not the Shield, just Roman Reigns in a big arena getting cheered. We didn't get that. No. And I don't know if it's naive of me to assume we'd get that. Maybe there's only so much nicety that we can get from a wrestling crowd in one day that we spent it all on Kofi Kingston or whatever. But I think it's what uh, potentially another swap that could have made it work better for me would be put Roman against Brock and have Roman win. Yeah, I, you know what? Honestly, it's their own fault because they've done that fucking three times yeah. already. And if they had even done it one time less, that would have been perfect. But yeah, they just went to the well one time too many. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I do like Drew. I know you're not the biggest fan of him. I like Drew because he mouths off in the ring and he's very over the top and dramatic in anime. Like, you know, where he'll get dead in their face. But when the crowd is quiet and he's grabbing Roman going, you mean nothing to me. Well, like, why are you wrestling him at WrestleMania then? Yeah. You know, that took me out of it. And I thought the match was a little tone deaf I don't think that's good mouthing off though why, no. why are you saying that to Roman Reigns that's you what I mean I thought it was it worked against the yeah. story like you know that's I, I know I feel if you're going to mouth off it has to be relevant to what's going on yeah I'd, I'd really like to beat you maybe mention something about <laughs> Dean abandoning him or yeah. I don't know there's like lots of stuff you could say other than just like he said some good stuff he was like I broke the shield and all that that was fun but it just did he though yeah I mean something else broke the shield yeah. I think you'll find coming up next no holds barred with a career on the line do we have to talk about this match? Can we just skip it? We absolutely do, Joe, because no match describes the kind of silly, over-the-top, little bit over-the-hill, wacky zaniness, and things can go wrong, and things can go all over the place. A little bit of a train wreck, but I really enjoyed it for how silly it was. I'm talking about Triple H and Batista. We had Triple H coming out to a incredibly modern, culturally relevant in 2009 entrance reference. Is that what? That the graphics were from the PlayStation 1? And the, no. You know, the PS1 Classic dropped last Christmas and people are hot about them 32-bit graphs. No, I'm talking about the film that came out five years ago, Fury Road. Me and Stephanie watched it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so, you know what they've been role-playing recently. Yeah, uh, yeah not only was it... The, the Mad Max thing, but seemingly Triple H was assuming the role of the baddie from Mad Max Fury Road as well, with the yeah, mouthpiece and all that. He's a face. And then he was driving through the desert in in the video, yeah, through the CG desert. You know, he's gonna go and get a wish from Calypso at the mm. end of uh, Twisted Metal, and then he came out onto the stage in his little Warhammer 40k orcs car, and he wasn't even driving it anymore. He was on the back now. Yeah inconsistent yeah and we had no stephanie who could have been furiosa oh yeah imagine that makeup that would have been great would have been fun but uh, we didn't get that no triple h was the good guy so no stephanie no i don't understand that to be honest only bad guys have their uh their significant others with them that's why you and i are our heels because ah. we always have this oh it's joe's with kevin what a heel uh, yeah. <laughs> absolute baddies we are so batista's entrance was both the greatest and the worst entrance of all time. Aww. I loved what they were going for, like the, all the suits and tie guys, all, you know, all like the elite beat agents coming out for Batista, like hundreds of them, all the cars rolling up, and then Batista in his little pants gets out of this big jeep and 
two hands slams the door and is like, oh, he's all amped up. He's fucking big stomps and walking, grabbing the ground. Basically, Batista came to the ring the way I used to run up the stairs when I was excited when I was eight years old. I don't know about you, but when I was mm. excited as eight, I used to go. I would go away yeah, from the bipedal. Yeah, of course. You kind of run up with your hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was Batista I here. I still do that. <laughs> I'm 28 years old. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so Batista, maybe a little bit uh, full of WrestleMania spirit, but he went up the stairs and people were like, oh, no. And I thought, no, no, no. Batista's just kind of stomping up them stairs like the animal. And then he kind of stomped through them ropes and he fell right down. Aww. He fell flat in his fucking ass. Billy said that Apparently, Batista said in an interview that he always wanted to come back to WrestleMania to lose against Triple H, which yeah. I think is a bit funny, a bit strange. It's been quite sadomasochist in a way. <laughs> so I was wondering if maybe he wanted to come back to WrestleMania, lose to Triple H, and embarrass himself in front of maybe like 60,000 people while he was at it. Yeah, I think that was probably what he was uh, going for, because he definitely achieved that. Yeah. you know. And it's just... Very rarely in wrestling does the curtain pull back straight away, you know. To use an uh, an Oz analogy, imagine like when Oz just comes out. That's where it goes from like, what's this to? Oh God. And Batista coming out with that fucking, the screen's all black. He's got the spotlight. He's the, you could, It just felt like a Hollywood star who thinks he's better than you is coming out now in WrestleMania with his fucking entourage and his minions. And then he slips and falls. It was It was honestly like... It shattered the mystique straight away. I loved it, and I think it actually was one of the best moments of the whole night. But he's, and then Michael Cole's like, Batista, he's so mean, such a monster. And then <laughs> no, he goes over not. to his, his co-star in the new movie, Stuber, and he's like, hey, like, yeah, hey, all right, I loved you in Twilight Zone, man. Awesome, all right. Where's Triple H? Let's have a match. And it was like, oh my God, he went from monster to like, nice lad. I can't ever see Batista as being anything but nice lad to be honest yeah. and I don't know if it's because I've not seen his earlier wrestling but all I know about Batista is Blue Tista he was the very funny Drax character in Guardians of the Galaxy Yeah. he was nice about James Gunn for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 Yeah. Uh, he, he beat up Ric Flair that nasty <laughs> dirty old man he's your best guy now and he? he has a cool blue nose ring and yeah. then he fell over in the ring and seemed fine about it. And I, that shows humility. And I like what Batista's way to get around this is like, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll meet my coaster, do a lap around the ring, back in. You know? <laughs> and he was, but by the time he was in the ring, he was smiling. Like, you know, That's just, I think he just thought it was funny. <laughs> I mean, it is. And you know what? The only person who it matters to if it's his last match is Batista. Yeah, you and know? I don't think it did matter So if he him. was killed with it, it's just there's a part of me that was like just thinks of... You know, we'll do an episode on Batista, and he's someone who maybe had um, you know some doubts about himself at points in his career. Aww. So it's just like the idea to me that he in any way was unhappy over his final match that would break my heart, like on his behalf. Yeah, that wasn't really the career-ending match worry I had at the end of this show. No. <laughs> <laughs> so him and Triple H, they had. The standard, I call this one the Saudi special. It's two lads who probably should have stopped wrestling around five years ago, who are in the best shape of their lives, which has reduced their mobility. They're in the worst mobility of their lives. Mm. Wheezing, grunting, grunting to get through moves, lots of weapon shots, lots of gimmicks. We had Triple H bring out a toolkit. Oh, okay, that was this was the best bit by far. And then he he didn't didn't use the broadle, which is the tool. 
the, the, that I hoped he would use that they never bother with. Guess he what Joe given... was Googling during the WrestleMania match? How to spell brittle. <laughs> I thought he could give Batista a second nose piercing. I want symmetry, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we had, uh, we had Triple H with a pair of pliers pulling out Batista's nose ring. There will be no ring here tonight. Which is literally what my mum threatened to do when I came home with a nose piercing. Wow, did she put her career on the line at least when no, she did that? No, what the even. fuck? Like ridiculous. That was great. Although I will say, Triple H, between that and the pliers on the fingers and all that. Yeah. You've been watching your uh, Pete Dunne and Randy Orton matches there, have you, Triple H? He basically just nicked it from two other wrestlers, yeah. Two men who at points in their career have considered a Triple H a mentor, like, you yeah. know. You remember in Star Wars when Yoda nicked Luke, Luke Skywalker's lightsaber and X-Wing and took it for a joyride? I think the most maddening thing about that is those two moments were the, easily the only good moments yeah. of this match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. else about this match didn't need to happen. It was clunky, like, yeah. It was. It was clunky. It was kind of dull didn't yeah just didn't need to happen so I, I kind of i'm really resentful that the two good moments of this match were both nicked from pete dunn and randy orton and all i'll say is though if we didn't have those two moments i would have been sour like a fucker about this match yeah you know finish came when rick flair gave triple h the sledgehammer getting a bit of revenge there for batista but like you know batista couldn't even retake the pedigree you know yeah. it's just it's nice, I get it, but I got the vibe of this that I got from when Sting fought Triple H, you know, or when Undertaker had many of his matches recently, where it feels like there's an element of the fan base that really wants just to see these people no matter what, and no one wants to see these people in the ring no matter what, and the people themselves just want to go out there and do it one more time. This match was like the second longest match on the cards. Oh, it didn't need to be. It and it didn't like need to be. Minutes. You know? I'm all for the guys of yesteryear going out for the glory days, but you know who really set the precedent on how to do it? Remember when Goldberg and Lesnar, two years ago, and they went out and they had a fucking three-minute match yeah. and they beat the shit out of each other. It was intense. You saw them do all the stuff that you wanted them yeah. to do, and that was it. Honestly, any time an older veteran gets involved in WrestleMania, I think it should be under five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And definitely under ten. Like, <laughs> never, ever, ever should it go over ten minutes. Twenty-five. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Sorry, I say twenty-five as it being the long. It is sorry. It is the longest match. It does beat Kofi Kingston and Bryan by a whole minute. So it was the longest match on the cards. That is fucking nonsense. It shouldn't have been. And you know what else? I am resentful of the fact that so many of these older wrestlers now are going away, getting super hench and muscly, and then coming back and they can't fucking wrestle. Go off, go do DDP yoga. It's been shown to improve your mobility and flexibility. Lean it back. Lean it back. Arms out to a T. Clench your glutes. (laughs) Hold it tight. Hold it tight. Everything on you should be tight, Batista, you know? I just, I don't care about the glamour muscles. I care about... Whether or not they can fall on their back with ease. Yeah. You know, back in the day on pay-per-views, the next night on Raw, they'd be like, oh, you missed a hell of a show last night. And they would show you still images courtesy of WWE home video or courtesy of the pay-per-view broadcaster. I kind of feel like these guys are still resting, thinking, well, tomorrow night when they show those stills on Raw, we got to look our best, you know? Because in still images, this probably looked great. But in motion, it was not as great. Like, no, you know? it wasn't. And honestly, I think if it had just been... The two nicked moments instead of all the rest of this 
attempt at wrestling, it yeah. would have been a much better match. Absolutely. And think about it as well, if Batista didn't trip and fall, it would have been 25 minutes. <laughs> I liked him tripping and falling. I wouldn't I wouldn't get rid of that. I'd no, that, that was in. your highlight, yeah. I'd deliberately do that, actually. Next year, if, if Batista is going to come out of his retirement, I suggest he breaks through a wall, like, you know, on flair for the gold. You you see, know? this is the thing, right? I, I hated it when Titus O'Neil fell over. I felt really bad for him. Because he doesn't need people to joke about that shit any more than they already joke about him falling yeah. over all the time and his job is a wrestler batista is a famous hollywood actor he doesn't need this yeah it's I true i don't care if he falls over it happens you know and, and vince mcmahon he's slipped and fall gone through the ropes so many times <laughs> yeah, not only that he ripped both of his quads and had to sit in the middle of the ring while he cut a bit of a promo well yeah at least batista <laughs> didn't get injured doing it like coming up next Kurt Angle's farewell match as WrestleMania's favourite son, Baron Corbin, who is also Brooklyn's favourite son. I think that's his new thing. He's going to be whoever's favourite son. I like it. Took on Kurt Angle in the farewell match. Uh, this is the match which I had definitely thought was going to be the, the 10 second type of thing. I don't everything from assume there was going to be a, uh, a run in from maybe John Cena. We have another match. Something was going to happen. It was like all of Kurt's matches he's had in his most recent run it was kind of slow German suplexes can't go like we used to go I feel like now is a good time to mention John Cena yeah because John did have a moment he, he did come out did have a moment during yes. Elias's concert we really thought he was going to come out for this Kurt Angle match mm, everyone did everyone did Oh, I'm so gutted that he didn't. What did you think of Cena's rap and stuff? I hated it. Did you? I absolutely hated it. And I know lots of people loved it and thought it was legendary, whatever. I hated it. I absolutely hated it so much. Why did you hate it? Because, I mean, we did touch on Thugonomics Cena when yeah. we first did uh, How to Cena well, way back. he was like 20 when he did it. So yeah. that was like 20 years ago, yeah. for one. <laughs> uh, also, rap was kind of a bit more like... It was kind of okay for awkward white men to be kind of cringy street rapper. Well, it was, it was going to be a heel thing. He was the yeah. kind of the, the white boy rapper, like, you yeah. know, which was definitely a, on the cultural uh, zeitgeist of the time, you know. Which I just don't think, it, I mean, I don't think it really necessarily worked that much even then, but it certainly doesn't work now post hair transplant. Yeah. It's well, you got a hair hat on, you had a lid on. I don't care. <laughs> Once you are old enough to have a hair transplant, you shouldn't be doing Dr. Thugonomics yeah. anymore. Well, there was a very sad promo with an uh, interview, I should say, with John Cena afterwards, where they were like, hey, John, you know, tell us about your WrestleMania moment. He's like, well, thought I'd come back and. Uh, you know, just do this to give fans a little bit of a blast from the past because, um, honestly, that's the one rabbit I have left in my hat and I don't know what else to do. Just come out and be John Cena, like normal. I don't know. I, I... He could have literally just come out, spoken to Elias as him, his normal yeah. John Cena self. I I watched Cena do that whole gimmick originally. Yeah. And solely from the, it was nice for me as a long-time fan of his to see him do that get a reaction from the crowd as he did i managed to do it where it was edgy but not in poor taste like all of his raps back in the day were poor taste i like that he was self-deprecating a bit we made fun of his movies and stuff like that um but i take the point that it was like just a not what people were expecting no you know or what people wanted or what people wanted people wanted lots of different things at this point in the cards you know and onto of course as we were talking about Baron Corbin and Kurt Angle. I don't think I wanted a six-minute back-and-forth match that was 
pretty much exactly the same as that match that they had on Raw. Mm-hmm. You know, where it was just a bit slow. And it it really undermines what you're trying to do with Kurt getting a younger guy over when Baron is legitimately so fast. But he can't show that in this match because Kurt can't go at that speed. So no. it just like Baron really felt like he was playing with kid gloves almost, you know? Yeah, but similarly, Baron Corbin, although he's fast, he's not hes not a good enough wrestler yeah, to he carry... he can't overcompensate, yeah. Yeah, to mm. carry someone like Kurt Angle, which he'd have to be quite talented to do that. So, yeah, I kind of hated this match, to be honest, and I feel really bad for Kurt Angle, and I feel kind of bad for Baron Corbin as well. So, Kurt went for the moonsault, which missed, and then Baron hit the end of days. We got the one, two, three. Highlight of it was Baron going... When he won, that was great. But and Kurt grabbed the mic, and I don't. It it, it this was an emotional WrestleMania. I nearly cried at this yeah. moment as well. Last year was just Rusev. This year, two times I nearly cried, and this was like more of a cry of sadness because when Kurt just grabbed the mic and he's like, "I know we're all kind of disappointed. It's not what we wanted, but I just wanted to say." Thank you, and I want to hear those words which have epitomized my career one more time. You suck. You you know, talk about tone deaf. I don't like that. Like, fans chant you suck and all that, but don't be like, tell me I suck one last time. You know, After I've lost to Baron Corbin. He has a minion's tattoo on his foot. <laughs> Why did you tell me that? Because Why I, did you tell me that? Because I know this and now everyone else has to know it as well. It's the curse. This is the year like, how do you wrestle? You just kind of find out stuff about wrestlers you don't want to know. Turns out Stone Cold Steve Austin's personal life is all over the place. Also, Baron Corbin's got a minion's tattoo. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. Thanks for being a fucking $5 packer. <laughs> for some reason, it's worse that it's on his foot. <laughs> because you know he's ashamed of it as well. And like. it's not even like the normal minion. It's no. a minion wearing like that horror mask. Yeah, it's a Jason Voorhees That's minion. The one. Yeah. yeah. That's my favourite of all the minions. <sighs> well, it, it left a bad taste in the mouth. It was sad. Uh Kurt signed a new contract as well to be What? Yeah, he signed a new contract. You you're the one who told me that. Oh sure. wait, you mean um like a as a backstage As a backstage guy. He's he's there as a talent, not as a on screen performer no. necessarily. So he's yeah. gonna be there. I would like to see Kurt Angle be a manager. You know, as as for to mentor someone on screen, perhaps a heel. I'd love to see him be Chad Gable's manager. Someone like that, I think, would be really cool for Kurt. Because Kurt being all smiley and pointing and telling people to tell them to suck, we've had two years of it now. Yeah. That's an, it's enough. You know, I think yeah, if he's going to be Chad Gable's manager, I'd be fine with that. I, mm. I would like that, but other. Other than Chad Gable, I don't want him to be anyone else's manager. Might be better. And him as a him as a general manager again. No, it's, it's, no, it's no, 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 no. I just I want something. You know, the Kurt Angle goodwill two year victory lap of we're happy to have you back. You know, I am happy that Kurt's back. I'm so happy that he was able to at least go out and wrestle. And he's clean and he's healthy and he has been for for a while. It's not the Kurt Angle we were used to. He's well aware of that, folks. You could see it in his fucking eyes. I feel that Kurt can do the most good. For Ronda Rousey. Yeah. If, if she's going to continue with the company. Mm. Because she's doing this whole leaning into being a heel ex-MMA fighter now, saying, oh, wrestling sucks. It's not even proper, like, the type of fighting I've done. And I think that's so similar to what Kurt was doing with his yeah. I'm an Olympic gold medalist with a broken freaking neck, but why don't you cheer for me? Yeah, yeah, angle. yeah. I think he could really teach her so much of the business. 
and so much of how to gain the right kind of heel heat. Yeah, absolutely. So fingers crossed that Kurt will... You know, I'm glad that he's in the company because I think he's just one of those guys who, like we said when we did our episode first, is like the, the knowledge alone from him is the reason you'd want to have him employed forever. He's like in that kind of William Regal category of he can do things that no one else can do. You need to learn from that, you know. Mm. So, not the end we were hoping for Kurt Angle. You know, certainly when we started this podcast and you, you know, when you first laid eyes on Kurt... Did you think this would be how the kind of the journey ended for him? That he would lose in his retirement match to a man with a minions tattoo. No, I didn't think that. <laughs> Are you salty like as a fan? Like, yes, you, I yeah. am. I'm really not looking forward to doing our Kurt Angle Revisited episode at some point. Would you want him to come out of retirement to have another no. match? No, no, Why? Because he can't do it. Yeah. Unless it was going to be against someone who can really carry him tag match or something maybe yeah because that was when Kurt you know the best matches Kurt's had since they come back the match with Ronda and Triple H and Steph and when he was in the Shield match maybe that's it he should take over Dean's place maybe yeah be permanent Shield member but you know it's it's over I think for now yeah I I don't know if Kurt will ever kind of come back on that but it's just when wrestlers retire and you can see the look in their face where it's like I'm not happy with that no and Kurt had that look and any wrestler who's ever had that look, we call that the funk gaze, uh, mm. or or Foley's eye. Uh, those are those are what we call them, and that usually means that we'll be back. I think he will come back because I don't think Kurt Angle is going to be happy with that. It might be that Kurt goes out and he's fucking wrestling some indie show somewhere, or goes to Japan or something when his contract is up. But I seriously would be surprised if in five years from now Kurt Angle hasn't wrestled at least one more time. You know, but that's just me, old doom and gloom man. If you're gonna have him be beaten so quickly by someone, why Baron Corbin? Like, swap it around again. Put him against Drew McIntyre. I mean, Baron is a big enough heel that he doesn't need that. No, but like, imagine how good it would have been, right? You remember when we went to see that Raw and Drew McIntyre did the ankle lock? He tapped out Kurt, yeah, yeah. and like Kurt Angle was like crying. That would have been a better have finish. Drew McIntyre then finish the job. Have yeah. him retire Kurt Angle. Absolutely. That would have worked. That would have worked and that would have gotten... Because Baron, you don't like him because he's a fucking dick, you know? Yeah. You're not meant to like Drew because he's a fucking sadistic monster. Because I'm scared of him. I remember being so scared and sad seeing Kurt tap out like that. And yeah, I think the tears would have flowed here if we had that type of a match. That would have been very emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up next, the demon Finn Balor took on Bobby Lashley with Leo Rush. Special shout out to Leo Rush with an immaculate look at WrestleMania oh, weekend. Yeah. Love that sweatsuit, baby. And Bobby Lashley, who has become a witcher, which oh, is yes. good to know. Hailing from Caremore and the uh, almighty Bobby Lashley. If he's not going to beat you in a wrestling match, he's going to lay down some Gwent. Old school <laughs> style. It was a very, very, very short match. I don't really remember much of it literally like i spent most of it admiring finn's new body paint i think yeah he had, he had a new paint i mean he yeah. still had the weird dreadlocky things which are a bit yeah retire the dreadlocks retire the dreadlocks uh what do you think of the, the demon the entrance coming up from on high all that, that was jazz? cool yeah yeah, yeah it, was, it was good shame that the entrance was longer than the match i think they should have kept that a secret because they kept it a secret would yeah. have really been exciting that the demon is here, you know. You don't need to advertise and that. You certainly don't need to have Finn Balor dressed as the demon advertising it and going, <laughs> Speaking of blur, that vulture puppet we saw on Raw. Oh, man. What is going on? Bray Wyatt. 
guarantee you. But how can he be a bird in a box? Because they've all I've heard is that Bray's coming back and they have a new creative direction for him and the, the character is going to go through a lot of changes and I just think it's going to be creepy like Pennywise the Clown it horror movie not stuff. Like, pe- that is ridiculous. I know, but it's done by WWE. So it's it's like, like the gobbledygooker. It's nothing like Pennywise. Remember the gobbledygooker? This is him now. Feel old, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty sure it's going to pretty sure it's going to be Bray. That that thing. So uh, yeah, that's look forward to. Which means maybe the demon will be taking on Sister Abigail after all, Joe. All these years later, that door is going to get shut. Well, Sister Abigail is a bird. <laughs> Sister Abigail's just some bird. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Finn picked up the win very, very quickly in this one uh, with his demon powers, regained the Intercontinental Championship. But hey, it's main event time. And for the first time ever, the women are headlining as Becky Lynch took on Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. Triple threat, winner takes all. Winner, winner, winner takes all for the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships. Charlotte Flair gets my WrestleMania entrance of the year coming in in a goddamn helicopter. Yeah, that was very cool. With an outfit change, because you can't wear a robe in a helicopter, leather jacket for the copter, then we get the robe for the walk to the ring. Fucking brilliant. Red carpet, men putting the robe on her. Oh, man, it was so great. And I love that Charlotte Flair seems to now be effortlessly channeling, but surpassing her father, if that makes sense. Yes. Because it'd be the thing that Ric Flair would show up in a limousine a mile long or whatever. But here's Charlotte in a fucking helicopter. Yeah, that's cool. Yes! Way cooler. Especially, I think, as a woman, it definitely sends a different message coming out of a stretch limo than it does coming out of a helicopter. Yeah, absolutely. In a way that it wouldn't be the same message with a man. I think coming out of a chopper is a power play. Yeah, it is. It's a total <laughs> power play, yeah. So, Becky, Ronda, Charlotte. A triple threat match. A lot of hype going into this one. How was this one for you, Joe? I enjoyed this match. It was good, but it wasn't great, in my humble opinion. Was it as good as you had kind of hoped it to be? No, it wasn't. I think they suffered from it being a triple threat. And Ronda Rousey has taken to wrestling like a duck-to-duck wrestling. However, triple threats are not everyone's cup of tea. And it felt this one struggled to get all three involved all the time. There was a lot of out of the ring and in the ring and did the... The pacing was a bit strange. Mm. I don't know. It, yeah, just, it was a strange match. How long was it? It was 21 minutes. God, it's long, isn't it? It, it felt like 10. It didn't feel long enough at all. Yeah, I, honestly, this is saying a lot that at the end of a seven and a half hour WrestleMania, I was going, ah, now I want another five minutes, lads. Yeah, like you at know? least. I think I was after another 10. You know, more? How dare you ask for more? Fine, the next year WrestleMania is going to be 29 hours. <laughs> Ugh. I think they talk about the psychology of a match, don't they? And I feel this didn't have it. Like we had a a table, but not table really table spots. Oh, the table that was. You know what? I think it's that finish is really what soured it for a it lot. It just of people. felt like it was leading up to a big moment that never came. I think the best moments in the match were honestly when it just came down to Becky and Charlotte face to face, which is. Not what I thought, because I thought, you know, I've had my fill of that. But we had a lot of face-offs, a lot of confrontations. I'll be honest, it's a match that, out of every match this weekend at WrestleMania, it's the match I want to rewatch the most. Because I kind of feel like I didn't get it or something like that. Like, I feel like I, I don't want to fault the match kind of thing. I just feel like 
maybe I've not watched it with a clear enough head. Obviously, there was a long day of wrestling watching beforehand. Maybe with a few days and it's all cooled down, I can judge it a bit better. But I think the only thing that's sticking in my mind the most is that finish. For me, it's just not the main event of WrestleMania worthy moment I think that it deserved considering it's the first ever for women. (laughs) I had high standards going into this and I knew I had high standards. Mm. But then I don't think that's unfair. Yeah, I mean, it it was being hyped up. These are three of the the most engaging performers in wrestling this year. I mean, I can't think of a match that I've enjoyed more than Ronda and Charlotte at Survivor Series. And honestly, that match, I think, blew this one out of the water. But that's that's just me. Um, nothing has been as electrifying as Becky and Ronda's exchanges on TV. It's been fucking great think, stuff. You know what? I think that's it. It's the fact that all the hype up to this has been way more climactic than the actual match. Like we've yeah. had them beating the absolute crap out of each other in With crutches, crutches yeah. Yeah, in cars, being handcuffed, being arrested. Like that segment was way more exhilarating. We've had than bleeding. The match. We've had black eyes. We've had broken noses. Mm. Like. And then we had this, which didn't even have a broken table. Yeah. It's got a broken hand. Ronda broke her hand, though. Yeah, but even that wasn't really, like... It just... Ronda... I remember at one point, Ronda came into the ring and there was a close-up. And she was battered. Yeah, her leg. Leg was covered in bruises, burst blood vessels, scrapes, tears, scratches. And I was like, how did this... How did this happen? I was very... I, I didn't understand what was going on. Like, they just were beating the fuck out of each other and i don't know if it was to a positive end you know there's they've done this before with ronda where they've had like a lot of like real fighting and whatnot but it's kind of like you know what it, it comes off really well charlotte and ronda beat each other up to fuck at survivor series but i felt it worked for the angle here i was just kind of like ronda you look at like why are you so battered up like it, it just felt like i don't know the thing he said to me the other day we were coming back uh, in a cab and he said, well, the women have finally grabbed the mantle because not only have they headlined WrestleMania, they've had a disappointing main event of WrestleMania, which is true equality. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, we skipped ahead like a little <laughs> bit. Like We got what we asked for. Yeah, so Becky picks up the win here, rolling up Ronda Rousey after she put her into the Piper's Pit kind of finishing hold. And I thought, and no one else has even been saying this, but the finish of the MMA badass who was pounding the shit out of their opponent who then uses a little bit of the old tricksy, old-timey wrestling, quick roll-up, and the MMA star gets pinned one, two, three, and then gets up and is like, wait a minute, what? I didn't... My MMA instincts have made me kick out, but I'm not in time? That was the exact same finish as Matt Riddle and Velveteen Dream. Yeah. Like, I know he put him in a submission, and this was a a, a finishing move, not a, not a submission hold, but it, I felt the exact same facial expressions we got from Matt Riddle and Ronda Rousey. And if the take home for WrestleMania is that MMA stars' blind spot is roll ups, then okay. But <laughs> quick, everyone! So come on, everyone, get together, have the big team meeting. Who's doing what finish? You know? Yeah. I I didn't like that, but also as though people were a bit perturbed by Ronda kicking out like right at the end. Well, I heard that she. It was a mistake she made. I heard that she was supposed to be pinned and then she kicked out of it because that's her instinct as an MMA fighter, which is then why we got the roll-up pin. Yeah, so... I don't know if that's true. I've not heard that confirmed. I've heard that is the case as well. There are lots of things coming out because I think the fact that they then had Corey Graves kind of go, look, she she kicked out early and they're bringing that up. 
I think that was one them kind of realizing that they could maybe capitalize on the mistake and make you want to see a rematch because Ronda can come back and say I kicked out you you didn't beat me which there's a story right there mm. but yeah I mean if your main event star don't know how to kick out of a fucking roll up then I don't know <laughs> maybe she needs more practice um, um yeah I mean honestly that that is a bit of a blind spot there you know I think Ronda has been so adept and so quick to pick up on so many things. I think there is a little bit to be said about them maybe just assuming she can do absolutely everything now, which is not the case, you know? It wasn't the five-star classic I thought it would be. It was a good main event. It wasn't a patch on Kofi and Brian, but it held the attention of people like a main event that the previous years, like Brock and Roman never held no. people's attention like this. So they did hold people's attention and it got reactions. And I'm very happy for Becky. Yeah, I am. I'm just, I haven't got the feeling of great joy coming out of this. No. That I thought I would considering I, I got the outcome I wanted. And what, what is it? Do you think if there was one thing you say that was missing, what was the missing ingredient for a you? Climax. It didn't have one. Like, if, if you think of a match as being, like, a narrative of a story, like as a sitcom or, a, like, a TV episode or a movie or anything like that, it has, like, a natural climactic arc yeah. towards the end. And it felt like it was leading up to that, but it never happened. Yeah, unfortunately, our climactic arc for Charlotte was exit pursued by an unbroken table, which doesn't yeah. really work in the main event. You know what? I don't understand how we're still with this fucking shit with the tables. We've got tables that are, like designed for much heavier men and we need to either get new fucking tables or figure out moves because this has happened so many times now with with charlotte as well it's a total disservice to the women's roster i think yeah it it, and it really was a damp squib of a finish i think because of that because charlotte gets put through that table it doesn't break and then we get the weird roll-up thing where ronda kind of kicks out yeah that is not the kick-ass bam becky lynch has won you know that's not what we got it didn't feel like a wrestlemania main event should feel no even though it does feel like a wrestlemania main event tends to feel yeah which i guess is the uh thing we need to accept with wrestlemania (laughs) more often than not but hey all being said not a better way to spend seven and a half hours if you want to spend it watching wrestling i had a great time with wrestlemania this year not just because I had cats and pizza and good times with friends. <laughs> it was a really fun show. That last stretch was a bit of a Debbie Daner, but I'll tell you what, the first two thirds of that WrestleMania was pretty fucking great. Yeah, it was, it was a good WrestleMania on the whole and I definitely enjoyed it. A hearty thumbs up. And I would say as well, also check out NXT TakeOver. It was a really, really great show this year, particularly that tag match and the fatal four-way with Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, Kyrie Zane, and Shayna Baszler. Hey, I'm fucking ready for more Fatal 4-Ways with a, a great diverse roster of women like that. Hell yeah. Come on now. That's fucking great stuff. So it's going to be a busy month next month with WWE as we have a superstar shakeup, which means that some superstars from Raw and SmackDown will be trading places, which usually also means as well some call-ups from NXT. Lars Sullivan has finally emerged from his troll-infested forum to uh, grace his presence on the main roster. Yay. Any hot picks for NXT call-ups that you would like to see? I'd love to see Shayna. Yeah. I really, really want to see Shayna. She's done everything now at NXT, and I'm getting bored of her just winning all yeah. the time. And I'm worried she's going to get stale. I don't want her to be kept on as, like, 
you know, champion just forever like they've done with some other people in mm. the past because I don't think she needs it. Yeah. So I would move her up. I think I'm not in any worry either that she's going to get like neglected on the main show. I don't think that's going to happen with someone like her. She's a star. She's a, she's yeah. one of the horsewomen as well. There's no exactly. way that they're not going to be putting her over strong. Yeah. I don't know if we need anyone else called up seeing as we had call-ups only like two months ago, really. You know, we had Heavy Machinery and EC3 and all this, that and the other. So I don't I know. Would, oh, I don't know. Part of me wants to see Bianca Belair on the main show that would be awesome but that's just me wanting her just huge massive fame and success I would like to see maybe this year for Superstar Shake Up some people go to NXT yes love that I would love that that would be cool Nia so- Jax and Tamina I want them to go to NXT <laughs> no I do seriously yeah I know Vince doesn't though so. <laughs> no. and of course next month as well we will have Money in the Bank 2019 which will be our next pay-per-view that we'll be reviewing in the meantime glad everyone had a lovely time at Wrestlemania I've never had my timeline so filled with pictures of fruit and vegetables that people are enjoying it's good to see that the primer was helpful for folks really really glad to see that but hey we'll be back next month with Money in the Bank 2019. Until next time, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. Thanks for being a $5 backer, and we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.